Hello, Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, now part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Merry Christmas to the people. What was that song you were just singing? Oh, that's, uh, I forget what the name of the song is, but it's, uh, it's this guy, uh, Fruco. It's, uh, it's a salsa song. It's my jam. It's a salsa Christmas song? It's not even a Christmas song, but they were playing it here. You know, it's a Christmas Eve, you know, we're in South Florida. It's it's a party down here. So we got the, the salsa, we got the bachata, we got the merengue going. We're, we're dancing, we're drinking some co- coquito. I got me a modelo right now because I'm taking a break from the coquito. It's, it's, it's good times right now. This is now a Christmas-only podcast. We're only talking about Christmas from now on. Very good. I think. I mean, it's it's certainly uh, a more jolly topic than the dolphins. Oh my goodness! It would be. It, I think if we just only talk about Christmas for the rest of the show, it's going to be a much more enjoyable program for everybody. So um, we we should New talk podcast. Two Jews talking Christmas. There you go. It's the same old Christmas show here on DolphinsTalk.com. Fantastic! It's a it's a beautiful thing. Uh, we're we're actually getting ready to go out uh, shortly after we record this podcast. We're going to go out for our Christmas annual Christmas Eve jaunt to uh, my wife's aunt and uncle's house uh, up in the mountains. We'll go out there. We'll spend Christmas Eve feasting, drinking, playing cards, watching some football. And then we then we come back and we and we crash and we get ready for for Christmas. It, it's going to be a wonderful time. And then tomorrow we'll 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 eat a big breakfast. We have a Christmas casserole, a breakfast casserole we have for breakfast on Christmas morning, which is going to be great. We'll be drinking wine probably all day. We're going to have a big roast lasagna. It's it's going to be a big thing on, on Christmas. So. Uh, yeah, pre- pretty exciting times. Hopefully, wherever you are, whatever your holiday traditions are, uh, we hope that you are getting ready to enjoy them and that what you just sat through on Sunday didn't bum you out too much. And if it didn't bum you out too much, hopefully the rest of this podcast doesn't bum you out too much because we're, we are going to talk about the Miami Dolphins dropping their home game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 17 to 7 at home, falling to 7 and 8, officially being eliminated from playoff contention. Now, as it turns out, the Dolphins would have been eliminated from playoff contention even had they won this game, as all of the help that they needed uh, did not come through. Everybody else that they needed to lose happened to win. Um, so it, it turns out that the Dolphins would have been eliminated from playoff contention anyway. But uh, that being said, I it's we got to talk about this game against the Jaguars, and I mean there's there's a lot to talk about. You could break it down, you could go play by play, but really what it came down to is the fact that the Dolphins are, are not a particularly good team, and you know you can you've heard all of this talk, and we we talked about it a little bit on this show and and I'm sure if you're a dolphins fan and you you are anywhere near dolphins twitter or or you regularly visit you know 
Dolphins websites and, and you're reading the the news, you know, a lot of people were talking about the fact that the Dolphins got that win against Buffalo and they got that win against New England. And these were, you could call them fluky wins. If, if it's their one dropped pass away from losing it to Buffalo and they're a miracle, the Miami miracle away from losing that game to the Patriots. And had they lose both of those, lost both of those games, this is a conversation that we would have had about being not in the playoffs. It would have been a conversation that we would have had two weeks ago. Um, but, you know, then they, they have, they win though, they end up winning those two games and are in the playoff hunt going into that game against Minnesota, knowing that even if they lost at Minnesota, they'd still be in the conversation. And then so they go and lose to Minnesota and they now follow that up by losing to Jacksonville. And I think what makes this loss to Jacksonville so disheartening is that the thing, the, the sort of the one thing that the Dolphins have had going for them all season is that They've managed to play better at home and ultimately find ways to win at home. And this time, it didn't matter where this game took place. They looked just as bad in this game against Jacksonville as they looked in previous games. And, you know, and it's the thing is, it's not even that surprising because we had talked about it. And, you know, before you... I decided, you know, for the sake of entertainment to make a prediction in that game that went a little bit off the beaten path and said the Dolphins would find a way to play well offensively. But we were both pretty much feeling that that game was going to be a defensive struggle, which in turn it was, and that there was probably going to be a big defensive score that made the difference. And it did. Um, you know, this was, a, it was a, you know, aside from both teams scoring touchdowns on their opening possession, the really the only other the the only other touchdown that was scored in the game was the pick six that Ryan Tannehill threw trying to make a play when he was being sacked, and I mean that pick six was I mean if you had to put one play up on Ryan Tannehill's Dolphins career tombstone, it would be that interception against the Jacksonville Jaguars because it was the perfect example of Ryan Tannehill finding himself in trouble, panicking, trying to make a play, and instead throwing an interception. He's done that many times. He did it again here today, and it ultimately that was the backbreaker in a game where the Dolphins struggled to get anything going offensively at all. So the Dolphins fall 17-7. The offense looks bad in the process. The defense looked good at times, particularly the pass rush, but then again, the the you know, they sacked Jacksonville's quarterbacks I think uh 5 or 6 times in the game by the end of by the end of it, which was which was great. They yeah, they had six sacks of Jacksonville quarterbacks, whether it was Cody Kessler or Blake Bortles. Um so that the defensive line looked good. The pass rush looked good. The problem was Jacksonville was playing with almost exclusively backup offensive linemen in this game. So, you know, yeah, yes, the Dolphins are going up against who they're going up against, but at least they made those plays. But that was sort of the one aspect where things looked good. Um, they had sort of found a way to more or less snuff out Carlos Hyde and Leonard Fournette. It, the, what turned out to be the big difference maker was Blake Bortles coming in in the fourth quarter and adding the element of the run that he possesses to the game. And that seemed to throw off the Dolphins defense just enough that it allowed Jacksonville to go down to the, go downfield and get the, the field goal that ultimately 
put them ahead to stay in this game. And it also allowed them to run out the clock at the end of the game. So a pretty disappointing performance all around. And of course, again, another display of ineptitude from the Miami Dolphins. The stat line says that the Dolphins only ran the ball 18 times which is is pretty disappointing. But the fact of the matter is when you can't establish your run game on first and second down, I guess I guess you've got to pass to try to convert on third downs and the Dolphins just struggled to do it. It was just it was about it was just a display of ineptitude from top to bottom and I think a real indictment of not just a lot of the players on this team but of the coaching staff as well, because this was a game that for all intents and purposes, the Dolphins had to win. They had to win this game to keep their playoff hopes alive. And this was a dud of a performance pretty much all around. And it it finds the Dolphins dropping to seven and eight with one game left to play, a game that really doesn't mean anything. I think ultimately that's going to be a game where you've got a lot of people just trying to salvage their jobs but at least from where I stand and we'll we'll get into this a little bit later I think decisions have probably already been made in that regard so brain I know you've really only seen bits and pieces of this game because you've been traveling down to South Florida but what are your big takeaways from this Dolphins loss that drops them to seven and eight on the season well first El Preso that's the name of the song El Preso by Fruco y sus tesos. Great song. El Preso, uh, Spanish for the prisoner. Anyway, uh, we got overmatched against a more physical team again, as what as happens every year to this team in December when we get down into these important games. And I mean, it's it's really a travesty, and it shows you where this team is uh, that. You're playing a team that comes into the game four and ten that's basically playing out the string. And that's not to say that they're not trying, but this is a Jacksonville team that is absolutely reeling. And you've got your season on the line and you've got the game at home and you get overmatched. That's just that's everything. And it just once again showing you just how same old Dolphins this is. And I'd like to point out that if it was not for two very fluky wins. The drop ball in Buffalo, the miracle in Miami, the, those two wins back to back. If if Miami, if if what is, if what happens on those plays is what is going to happen probably ninety percent of the time on each of those plays, which is Charles Clay is going to catch that pass and the Bills are going to win that game. And the Dolphins aren't going to come up with this amazing lateral play for a touchdown. The Dolphins right now would be sitting at 5-10 and 10 and would be in line for a top five pick in the draft. That is where this team is. Now, you could say, well, they won those games. And that's fair. That's fine. They won those games. But... Don't be mistaken when you look at the Dolphins at seven and eight and you look at Detroit at five and ten, who, by the way, beat Miami, Jacksonville at five and ten, who, by the way, beat Miami, Buffalo at five and ten, who, by the way, should have beaten Miami and confused and and get confused and think that Miami is significantly better than those teams who are all dreadful. 
That is where this team is. That is who they are. And frankly, that is who they've been all season. And if you were at any point in the season fooled, really at any point, I, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you a pass if you got fooled early in the year after the three and zero start. Anything after the New England and Cincinnati games, there should have been no doubt. There should have been no doubt in anyone's mind that this is who this team is. So, I mean, that's my takeaway is that this team just is not ready to take any kind of next step because they cannot beat they, – they can't beat anybody that's physical in December. And that's how you win a Super Bowl. That's how you become a contending team is you beat physical teams. And, and we're not talking about, you know, some world-beating team that came down here you know, with their season on the line as well, we're talking about a team that came in at four and 10 and we couldn't take care of business. And now we're, the Dolphins are currently the third worst point differential in the league. Now that says everything you need to know about this team. They are closer to being one of the worst teams in the league than they are to even being a playoff contender. And it just is what it is. Makes you sad. Eh, I'm I'm immune to it at this point. But to me, uh, this is not a bad thing. I mean, granted, you know, it. I wanted them to tank a few weeks ago. Like that, that would have been the time to do it. Um, right now, I get the feeling that it's probably too little, too late. I mean, granted, if they go out and they lay another egg in Buffalo. Uh, it may, you know, convince Stephen Ross that changes need to be made in the front office uh, and that, you know, that this team is nowhere near close. Or if he keeps the front office, that the front office really has to look at it and say, look, yeah, we're not close. We need to not uh, go out and spend a whole bunch of money frivolously trying to chase the playoffs next season, even though I, I believe they can make the playoffs next year. I just don't believe that the way to do it is to go out and mortgage the future to try to be a 10 win team for three years with no real plan of being a Super Bowl contender. But we'll get into that. Um, but I don't think it's a bad thing that they lost this game because at the end of the day, they're the same old Dolphins. They wouldn't have made the playoffs anyway, even if they had won the game. And so at this point, it's just. Don't do anything that's going to hurt your draft position. And I understand I'm not asking the players to go out there and not try to win. And I'm not asking the coaches to go out there and not coach to win. But from an outsider's perspective, losing benefits this team more than winning. So it's not that bad. I I suppose that's. And you also you also got the added bonus of getting further confirmation that Ryan Tannehill is not a franchise quarterback. No, uh, obviously. Because if, if Ryan Tannehill goes out there and plays well and you lose, then you still are going, well, you know, we might have a franchise quarterback and we just, you know, this didn't go right and this didn't go right. I think we've all seen enough <laughs> to know that Ryan Tannehill isn't a franchise quarterback. and But I don't trust this front office, which is the theme that you'll hear me, you know, harp on and on and on about week after week, uh, that I have no faith in this front office. So they really need to be beaten over the head with it. You really need Ryan Tannehill to suck because 
he's not the answer going forward. And the front office needs to know that. And him going out and playing reasonably well just it keeps them thinking, well, just give him another year. Just give him another year. And I, I still, I maintain he probably will be back next year. But you've got to have a long-term plan in place for the quarterback position by this offseason. And it can't be Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I, I, I think at this point the Ryan Tannehill ship has sailed. And even if he is the quarterback, because you can't completely rule out the, the possibility that he might be the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins next season. But I think if that is the case, you need to have whoever your future quarterback is picked up in the draft. And quite frankly, and I know I speak for a lot of people out there, that at this point, I would much rather see Ryan Tannehill go. And we've talked about it on this show. You can't, at this point, I don't know that you can justify paying that quarterback $26 million next season. I yeah, really but then don't. who are you bringing? I mean, who are you bringing in well, and had, how much are you paying? And how much are you paying? It just doesn't matter. Just just draft a quarterback, which would be a lot easier to do if you had a top five pick as opposed to the number 14 pick. I'm just saying. Right. Well, so, all you people that were that were ecstatic over the, the Miami miracle and Tannehill's return and and winning that mean the, those two meaningless games against Buffalo and New England. All right, well, here you are, who you got at quarterback. Right. And so that's the thing. The Dolphins are now if they have a quarterback that they want, they're probably going to end up needing to spend a lot more draft capital in order to get to a place where they can draft that quarterback. Whoever it is that this franchise has its eyes on this year, they're probably going to have to spend more to get into a position to get that quarterback rather than being able to, they're not going to be able to just sit and wait for that quarterback to fall to them. They're going to have to make moves in order to move up to go get that, whoever that is. But we'll talk about that extensively, I'm sure, um, in the offseason once we get through these last couple of games. Uh, to talk more about Tannehill and his performance in this game, the numbers on their face don't look terrible. Tannehill was 15 of 22 for 146 yards with a touchdown and an interception and 82.8 rating. It's very middle of the road. It, I mean, just looking at those numbers, it's very average for Ryan Tannehill. It's, you know, par for the course. He also, also had three rushes for 22 yards in this game. Um, his numbers are not great on their face. They're just sort of average. But when you look at the fact that on Miami's first drive, the first drive of the game for the Dolphins, Tannehill went five for five for 67 yards and threw for four first downs. For the rest of the game, he only threw for four more first downs. That's bad. Granted, and, and I think the, the problem with Tannehill in this game is that it really became evident that he's got the pro, he's, his agility, and his ability to move around in the pocket is significantly reduced, whether it's the knee injury that he's coming back from and on top of that, the ankle injury, whether it's just the ankle injury, whatever it is, this is not he, his mobility is reduced from what it was when he was at his prime, when he had his best seasons. And so that's a little bit disappointing for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, it's disappointing for Ryan Tannehill. But I mean, at the bot at the end of the day. You're waiting for him to become something that he's he hasn't been, that he's never been, and I just don't know it. It just at this point, I think it's pretty clear that it's not going to happen. Um, in his press conference today, we're recording the day after on Christmas Eve, 
Adam Gase said, we haven't we really haven't had the consistency we need on offense to look at what Ryan is, really. Nobody helps him. Then he starts to try to do more than he should, and that hurts him. So Gase is clearly saying that Ryan Tannehill isn't a franchise quarterback. Uh, his performance in this game was not particularly good, and I think it's time it's time to move on from there. On, on The other aspect of this is that I think you need to seriously start to look at Moving on from Adam Gase, I can understand and I would listen to and I can be convinced that there is an argument to say that Gase should stay. However, as the rumors started coming out before this game that Ross was looking at making significant changes um, and that Tannehill's job or not Tannehill, Tannenbaum's job was on the line. I think of if you're getting rid of if you're getting rid of a GM you probably need to consider your head coach is gone as well because the GM is going to want to come in and have his own guy installed at the head of the the football team. He's going to want his own head coach in there. Now, it's possible that if there's a new GM that comes in, if Tannenbaum actually gets fired, that the Dolphins, the, the guy who is um, sort of on the radar right now is this uh, Peyton uh, from... Minnesota. He was the GM with Minnesota and he's got Miami connections and he's the guy that's sort of like the number one target, I would say, probably for Steve Ross if Tannenbaum in fact gets fired. Um, and this is a guy who's probably going to want to install his own head coach, you would think. But all that being said, I could understand the argument that if you're Steve Ross, you don't want to get rid of that head coach until a GM comes in and tells you otherwise. But I mean, at this point, it's a pretty sad state of affairs in just about every aspect of this team, I think. And when you talk about Adam Gase, the the things that he has done well, and I mean, I think it's inarguable that his players have fought for him. You could make the argument that on Sunday they gave up on him. You could make that argument because the performance on Sunday was tepid at best. But you can make the argument that he has done these good things and, and uh, has has inspired his players. But on the other side of the coin, he's also got a lot of things to take responsibility for. Questionable play calling at times. The fact that he didn't get rid of Mike, uh, or what's his name? He didn't get rid of Burke at some point over the course of the season. That he just kept him and let that defense continue to be bad. Uh, says says a lot. And then you've got Adam Gase saying, well, you know, the biggest thing in this season is that it was the injuries. The injuries are what hurt us. Uh, we were three and zero at the beginning of the season for a reason, but you know, I wish everybody wouldn't have gotten hurt. That would have been nice. That's what you get from Adam Gase at this point. And it's like, I don't, I don't know, Adam Gase, maybe, maybe it is time for you to go. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, maybe, uh, there, he, he, he's just been lukewarm to me. I, I like, I have no problem if they want to go in another direction. I have no problem if they want to keep him. It's just he seems like he's stubborn to a fault and he just doesn't want to change things that clearly aren't working. And the fact that he's, you know, he was hired to be uh, an offensive quote unquote guru, you know, an offensive guy that was supposed to you know, turn the, this Dolphins offense into a, an above average offense. And he's been here for three years and they have never been that. And they've never even been close to that. And they've been bad. Here's a and stat for you. They've been worse this year since 
<laughs> you know, in his entire time here. And I believe I, I heard a stat earlier that in Joe Philbin's entire Dolphins career, uh, or entire career as Dolphins head coach was was like three years and then I think four games. He had three games where the offense failed to gain 200 yards. This was the fifth time, I think, this season? Yeah, that's correct. Fifth time this season that the Miami Dolphins have failed to get to 200 yards. I mean, this offense is anemic, and I'm I'm not going to sit here and just make excuses about the offensive line and the receivers because at the end of the day, yes, have we had more injuries than most teams? Yes, that's true. But every team has injuries. And, the you know, you're paid to, you, you know, put together the roster that you want. He had the roster that you want. Part of it is depth. Part of it is scheme. And they're just not good. They're just, they're dreadful. And that, at, at some point, it's just got to fall on him. And if... And the other thing is, is if the is that if the fault lies on Ryan Tannehill, well, last offseason, the Miami Dolphins had a chance to get away from Tannehill and draft a quarterback. And they showed no interest in drafting a quarterback last year. That goes on Adam Gakes. So if if the fault is Ryan Tannehill, that's an Adam Gase problem. If the fault is Adam Gase, well, then that's obviously an Adam Gase problem. So, look, I get it if you want to fire him. I also get it if you want to say, hey, you know, the team plays hard. And despite all the injuries and despite the fact that they really aren't a good team, they've got a chance to go 500. That's got to be worth something. I get that, too. I would say he's, you know, he he's a very average coach right now. Um, and unless you have a definitive answer that you want to go with, uh, going forward, uh, I'd be willing to give him another year, but I wouldn't have any problem with them firing him either. I think what it comes down to is I have no faith in the front office. Um, so I would like to see a change made at the top. And if they make a quality hire at the top, you know, they shouldn't be this, have this charade like they had the last time, which was we were looking for a GM, but, and we were looking for somebody to, to, you know, run the player personnel side of things, but we wouldn't hire anybody unless they were okay with working with Joe Philbin. That does, no, I'm sorry. That's not how it works. You find your guy. If the guy that you hire says, I'd like to give Adam Gase a year and see what he can do. I'm fine with it. But, and and if he decides, you know, I don't think Adam Gase is the answer. I'd like to bring in my guy. We have a difference in philosophy. I'm all for that too. I'm all for, you know, clear vision, not any of this like mixing and matching and everything, but I want it to be whoever they hire needs to have full autonomy. And I'd like for them to hire somebody who has some track record of being, you know, uh, you know, not being irrational with the way that he spends money, having a long-term plan, drafting well, building through the draft. Because when they hired Tannenbaum, Tannenbaum's track record was not that. His track record was 
uh, building through trades and free agency. And that's what he has done in his time here. Um, and we have had some good draft picks, some not great draft picks. I, I feel like we've been pretty much league average in that regard that, you know, in every draft we hit a couple guys and then we miss on a bunch. Um, and that's where you end up as a mediocre team. Uh, but he also has not been a guy who, uh, who really values draft capital. He's not a guy that wants extra draft pick that trades down or trades players for draft pick. He's a guy that trades draft picks away to move up trades, draft picks away for other players. And then you end up in a spot where if you're not good enough, you don't have the draft capital to make yourself good enough. Uh, and it becomes a much longer building process. So whoever they get, I mean, one, I, you know, assuming they, they do get rid of Tannenbaum, which is what I want. Um, you know, I hope they give that person all, you know, total autonomy. And I hope that the person that they hire is a guy who will value draft capital and building things the right way. Yeah. And that has been sort of Steve. One of Steve Ross's fatal flaws as an owner is that he largely keeps his hands off, but every once in a while gets involved and makes, you know, makes statements like you got to work with Joe Philbin and you got to do this and you got to do that. And he, it, it ends up handcuffing his people just enough so that not, it just all leaves us in that same mediocre place. And so I believe, yeah, I believe that Stephen Ross is learning, but he's learning very slowly. Remember when he first got here, he basically ran off parcels with the stupid like orange carpet thing and all the celebrities. And then he finally toned that down, but then he get, well, then he had the, the deal with uh, trying to go hire Harbaugh while he still had Sperano, which he totally bungled. Then it seemed like he he got to this point where he was going to, okay, I'm going to be very loyal. But then he was loyal to a fault with Jeff Ireland. And then he did the thing with the new GM or when he brought in, t- you know, when they were looking for a new president of player personnel where they had to work with, with, uh, with Philbin. And now I think he's finally at the point I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> where we've seen enough of these mistakes, but I could be wrong because it's like, you know, every time that he's had an opportunity to do something to make a big change, to really help this franchise, he, he has bungled it. So th- there really isn't any reason for optimism. It's just kind of hope that he's learned from past mistakes. Yeah, I mean, and not to get too much into what needs to happen in the offseason, but there needs to be, he needs to make some moves. He's got to make a splash and he's got to make people excited about uh, this football team. What do you mean by a splash? Well, he's got it. He's got to, first of all, you need to find a quarterback and you need to bring in a GM who's going to come in with a plan to rebuild this team and they've got to draft a quarterback that is going to get people excited. And if, and I don't care how excited the fan base is. The fan base was excited after we went 3-0. and The fan base was excited after we had the Miami Miracle. I don't give a crap what the fan base thinks. If you're worried about the fan base, you know, when, when it comes to drafting and your whole you're – already, you're already failing if that's what your worry is. I don't care who gets excited. Make the right decision. I don't care if it's boring as hell. Make the right decision. Well, I suppose there's that's there's a very good point there. I think we've 
what we need is somebody who's going to get this team moving in the direction where we're contenders again on a regular basis. Now, part of it is going to be that it seems like well, it seems like the New England Patriots are are starting to slip. Maybe their grasp on this division isn't quite as firm as it has been in the past. And in fact, the division was there for the taking this year. But I mean, and people don't talk about this when they talk about, you know, New England Patriots winning 10 straight division titles. The AFC East has been dreadful for almost that entire period. So, I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt when you're talking about, you know, oh, the Patriots and their dominance in the AFC East. The Patriots have been a dominant team for a lot of reasons, but I wouldn't use the fact that they won 10 straight division titles as a big thing because this division has been historically bad. The rest of the division has been historically bad over the course of that process. But anyway, turning our attention back to this game against Jacksonville, again, just it, it's disappointing. And that's why we that's why this conversation, the conversation ends up spiraling back to, well, these are the things that need to happen in the offseason. And this is needs who needs to be let go. There are just so many. It, it's we've seen this before. This is a. It is so, and I said it at the time, it was would be so same old Dolphins for the Dolphins to come up with these big wins against Buffalo and New England only to turn around and lose the rest of their games, which is a very real possibility. And the Dolphins are staring seven and nine in the face again after this loss to Jacksonville. Losing to Blake Bortles, a quarterback who had lost his job and had him come back, come back in to replace an injured Cody Kessler and lead the Jaguars to victory over the Dolphins. It's a pretty sad state of affairs. Um, very little to be terribly positive about in this game. Um, Balaj again looked good in flashes. Drake looked good for the most part in this game. Um, it was nice to see Cam Wake get a couple of big sacks. Uh, Charles Harris made a sack, which was pretty remarkable, but then he was pretty much garbage the rest of the way. So there were moments in this game that were, that were good. There were, there were some positives. Uh, but largely, again, when you put the whole performance together, you just end up with this bad taste in your mouth because the Dolphins, uh, the Dolphins just did a bad job at the end of the day and, and drop the game. And, you know, look, we're seven and eight at best. We're finishing eight and eight. And I think this is going to be the like something like the ninth time in 10 seasons that the dolphins finish at with six, seven or eight wins on the season. It's listen, the name of the show is the same old dolphin show. And the fact of the matter is, these are the same old dolphins. Adam Gase was hired and brought in to tell us to to make this team not the same old dolphins. Three years in, they are still very much the same old dolphins. And so now it leads us to one game left this season coming up against Buffalo. And uh you know, it's it seems like that could be um a tough one. It it the all intense it seems like last year Adam Gase with the team with only having won you know a handful of games at this point the season was over he decided he was going to try to get some young guys in and 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 let some of these younger guys get some experience everything is pointing at this point in fact Gase has said so much he wants to get to 8 and 8 so Ryan Tannehill is starting this game he's not putting David Fails in he is 
Ryan Tannehill's his starter, and he's going to do everything he can to try to get this team to 8-8 eight and eight to finish the season because he is very clearly in job-saving mode. I think if maybe in Gase's mind, if he can have the Dolphins close out the season with a strong performance on the road against Buffalo, that might be enough to uh, you know salvage his job. But uh, listen, I'm not holding my breath, and we'll talk more about that game with Buffalo and what it means as we get there, because I have a feeling that as the days go by here, some news is going to emerge about where this team is going and what this team is doing. And, and you know, we're going to get a lot. I'm thinking we're going to get a bit more sense of direction by the end of the season. And somebody had sent a tweet out, um, and I, I don't remember who it was, but basically Steve Ross came out and said before the Week 17 game that he planned on retaining Tony Sperano and he intended on retaining Joe Philbin. Like he came out before the final oh, game mean, of the season. The, the the owner vote of confidence is the kiss of death. Well, Everybody knows that. Right. But what I'm saying is that every time he's done that, every time he's come out and said, I'm retaining this coach, he did retain them until the following season and then fired them, you know, a few weeks into the season. So right. – what I'm saying is he hasn't come out and said Adam Gase is going to be our coach next season. So maybe that means things can change. And maybe that means he's waiting to fire his GM and see who, what his new GM has to say about that, which, quite frankly, I think that's probably the prudent thing to do. Um, you might as well leave Gase installed. And if you bring in a GM and the GM then says, we got to get rid of this coach, then you get rid of your coach. So at any rate. Uh, this loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars was filling, filled me, filled the brain, and I'm sure filled most of you with that very familiar feeling of, well, these are the same old Dolphins. It's disappointing. And that's the thing, right? You, you ride the highs, and then you've got to deal with the lows. And when you're a Dolphin fan... Usually the highs and lows are are pretty equal the amount of them that you have over the course of the season and and that's where that that's where we find ourselves after 16 or after 15 games of the 2018 season. Uh Brain anything else you want to add here before we wrap up this uh pre-Christmas Eve or this actual Christmas Eve episode of the Same Old Dolphin show? Just want to wish everybody a very merry Christmas and a happy holiday season. It's a beautiful thing. You can find Aaron on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. I'm at Amplified to Rock. The show is at Same Old Dolphins. Uh, we are on the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. So make sure, even though it's Christmas, you still visit DolphinsTalk.com for your daily fix of all things Miami Dolphins. We, what do you got? The sleigh bells going on there? What What's happening over there? Oh, I got El Preso. I'm ready to do some salsa dancing. This is amazing. Yeah, so it's it's time to hit the bottle. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a good review. Uh, you can listen to every episode of the show on SoundCloud. You can also subscribe via Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher as well. And if there's another platform that you want us to put the show on, let us know, and we'll make sure the show is available there 
for you on that platform. Uh, that's going to wrap us up for this one. We'll be back later in the week to preview the Dolphins' final game of the 2018 season. Is it officially the final game of the Ryan Tannehill-Adam Gase era? We are going to find out, and we will talk about it here on the show later this week. In the meantime, have a very, very Merry Christmas for and a very Happy New Year for Aaron the Brain. This is Amplified to Rock. This is Josh. Take care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Solo vivo del recuerdo eterno de mi madre